<laughs> I need to empty it out this new year. It's like you start putting things in there, notes and stuff. Oh, my gosh. So some of the thing that I, uh, I felt like the Lord was giving me today had to do with giving. So I was going to just do like offering and message, you know, because they're kind of hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, you gave your offering already. Feel I don't know if you're going to give online or whatever, but um, today we're talking about the reverential fear of the Lord. And starting the new year, it is so exciting. There's something about the new year. You know what I mean? It's like you walk into it and it's a fresh start for this whole year that we can say, yeah, not a year of resolutions, but repentance, a change in of mind. Repentance isn't just like, oh, I'm going to confess my sins or whatever. It's a change of mind, and then we say we're going after this new thing in a new way. We're giving our hearts fresh to God, and that was something when we went to street life, I was saying, like, God, I want fresh passion, fresh devotion to your will, to be obedient, because it's not always easy, you know, and sometimes when you're not feeling it, you're not feeling his presence, you're not sensing it, like, that can be some of the hardest times to just keep moving forward or keep standing, you know, because you're like, am I even going in the right direction anymore because I don't feel anything, and I'm so thankful for the seasons and the times where we sense his presence, like, I remember so many Sundays where we would come together and worship, and it was like, oh my gosh, like, something's going to happen today, like, it feels like the, the heavens are breaking open, but then there are other days where that doesn't, we don't feel that, even though the reality of it is still there. And that's the testing of our faith, right? And so we're talking about fear of the Lord with also faith, this aspect of faith. And um, what first came to mind, actually, because I've been thinking about this personally for myself for a little while now, was the story of Cain and Abel. So in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, uh, or five, yeah, one through five. It says, And Adam knew Eve as his wife, and she became pregnant and bore Cain. And she said, I've gotten and gained a man, with, the, with a man child, with the help of the Lord. And next she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant, and he looked sad and depressed. Now, in this passage in Genesis, we don't see why God, there's no explanation for why God rejected Cain's offering and accepted Abel's. We just see two sons, the firstborn and the secondborn, and they come and bring the best of their stuff before the Lord. Now, from our perspective, we'd say, what, what is wrong with you? Like, Cain brought the best of his, what he could bring from what his um, responsibilities were. He brought the first fruits of the ground. And Abel, who was taking care of the sheep, brought the firstborn of the sheep. And it says that God had respect for Abel's and not for Cain's. And then we know the rest of the story. Cain gets so angry. And God actually visits him and says, Cain, why are you so angry? 
Why are you depressed and dejected? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. So this is God speaking directly to Cain, and you'd think that would be enough for Cain to snap out of it and say, okay, I got this. If I do well, and what was God talking about? We'll get into that, but what was he saying, do well? Does that mean acts, like we have to work well in order to be pleasing to God? Or what does it look like? If you do well, you will be accepted by the Lord. If you don't do well, Sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. And we know what happens next. Cain goes, goes out that same day and kills his brother. Oh, my goodness. And then he's marked for the rest of his life, blah, blah, blah. So I was, if you turn over to Hebrews, oh, and what I love about the New Testament, too, is that it gives so much insight into some of these things from the Old Testament that don't have a ex- full explanation. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Prompted by faith. Prompted by faith, Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, because of which it was testified of him that he was righteous, and God bore witness by accepting and acknowledging his gifts. And though he died, yet he is still speaking. So the difference, what what Paul is saying here, that the difference between their two offerings was that Abel brought his offering in faith. It was a state of the heart. It says, by faith, Abel brought his offering to the Lord, recognizing who God is. And we talked about this, I think it was last time that we talked about the widow bringing her little offering, right? And the the big wealthy men bringing all their offering and making a big stink of it. Well, what did God see? He saw her heart. It didn't matter the amount. She was giving everything that she had. She was withholding nothing because she had fear of the Lord. Now, fear is not being afraid of God. We have reverence for who he is, the holy God that created all things, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our creator, our Lord, and our savior. Now, I constantly ask God, I need a refreshed fear of the Lord. Because under this new covenant, for some reason, we can get flippant. Probably because the the veil has been torn. We can come in covered by mercy, covered by grace. And sometimes that can produce this type of mentality in us that, that dulls the fear of the Lord. That was not done away with. We need to have both where we can come confidently before God, but we still recognize who he is. And we don't come flippantly, but we come recognizing that we can only come by the blood of Jesus and by faith in that work that was done on the cross. Only by faith are we pleasing before God. Only by faith are our works pleasing before God. Only by faith are our offerings, our gifts, pleasing before God. And we don't want to give not in faith and have it mean nothing. 
if we're giving uh, anything, whether it's money or time or our gifts and talents, we want to give it by faith so it has value in eternity before God. So we're storing up treasures in heaven that by faith I'm saying this offering is for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Just like Abel did before the Lord. We do not give God our leftovers. That hit me so hard this morning when I was sitting and it made me sick to my stomach some because I'm like, how often do I go through my week and, you know, pay for this and pay for that bill and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm saying, okay, I have this leftover. Guess that's yours, Lord. For the king, that shows that I don't walk in the fear of the Lord or put him first. You know, I want to have him in first place where I say the first fruits before I spend anything. I'm saying, God, I'm separating this for you because you are worthy. You're the one who gave it to me by faith. I know that if I separate this for you, I'm going to have everything I need. So that's an offering by faith. And I need more of that. We need more of that. We do not give God Our leftovers, if we had, Tommy and I were talking about this uh, yesterday or the day before, and just, you know, having our conversations and trying to dig a little deeper, and he was talking about the worthiness of God. When we get revelation of the worthiness of God, everything begins to change in our lives. When we start to see, think about it, the angels are seeing him 24-7. What are they doing? The elders are throwing their crowns down. The angels are covering their eyes, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come constantly because they're seeing the one who was before all things, the Alpha and Omega, seated on the throne of heaven. They see him, and they say, I mean, how can you hold anything back when you see that king of kings? You can't. So when we start to hold things back or we start to dull, it's because we've lost vision. We haven't set our eyes. We've, we've fixed our eyes on other things, and it's so easy to, right? Like you're in the world, things happen. It's hard when trouble comes, sickness comes, a trial comes, and it's almost like you're getting hit, 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 and it can be very easy to all of a sudden be like I'm face down on the ground, and I have no idea what he looks like, and I feel fear, and I'm afraid, and anxiety, and blah, 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 blah. Depression, right? It can happen in a moment. But if we were to simply fix our eyes on Jesus, we get filled with faith. He is the faith giver. We live under a new covenant, but it doesn't mean that we should have any less fear of the Lord, but rather more fear of the Lord. Because he's given us so much grace, so much mercy. And you think about in Acts, do you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? And that's a very tough one. The church had just begun. Like there was the baptism of the Spirit, 3,000 added to their number. They're all giving and living in harmony, and it's like this heavenly time fulfillment of Joel 2. Whoa, what's going on? And people are starting to come and give to the apostles to to lay money down at their feet for the church, right? It's not it wasn't just for the apostles or because they were great. Everyone was moved, why? Because the presence of God. What does the Holy Spirit do? It causes us to give. 
when we're filled with the love of God, when we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to be compelled to give, to give of our life, to give of our time, to give of our finances, to give. We're just going to be like, I've got to give. I've got to give it back because we recognize how much we've been given, right? So this all happened, and people are compelled. They're coming to the apostles and laying gifts down, laying offerings down, because it's like, wow, God just touched us in this marvelous way. And then Ananias comes in, and he says, we've sold our land, and we're giving this amount of the, the amount that we sold it for to you, to the Lord. What does Peter say? I'm I'm just quoting, not quoting it exactly, you know, but just to give the gist of the story. Ananias lied. And the Lord kills him right there. He drops dead. People drag him out. His wife comes in. And they ask her, did you sell the land for this amount of money? And she lies in the same way that her husband did con- concerning an offering. And they said, the ones that just dragged your husband out of here are waiting at the door to drag you. And she drops dead and they take her out. And the fear of the Lord fell on the whole place. Now, that's a very intense story. I don't even fully understand that, you know, because they're living under this new covenant now. The Holy Spirit has come. But to me, it just shows what I can pull from it right now for this moment is the fear of the Lord under the new covenant. It has not been demolished. It's that we need to have this greater fear of the Lord to being honest and giving our faith-filled offerings before him, being compelled by the Spirit not to be showy, not, I mean, Ananias and Sapphira wanted to look good before the apostles to say, oh, we just did this and we just gave all this money. But it was a lie. They were not doing it from the state of heart to please the Lord. They wanted to look good before man. And they dropped dead because they lied to the Lord. So the, the, the weight of us saying, I'm giving from this place of faith in my heart that God deserves it all. And what we decide or I decide before him to set apart beforehand to give to him, re- that is my faith-filled thing, giving, offering, recognizing that he's going to provide everything. We must be ready to steward what God gives us in every area of life. So this was just the start of talking about finances because it, con- it was about Cain and Abel bringing their offering, the best of what they had, the first fruit of their, their um, uh, sustenance or whatever, their jobs, first fruit of what they had earned. They gave it to the Lord. So that's why we relate it to offering and giving of the first. We set aside first because he's so worthy, right? Um, but this it's every area of our life, right? Now that we're under the new covenant, we've recognized God has given us everything, so we give everything back. Everything. The first. He gets the best of the best of what we have, not the leftovers, not the extra, not what I just have left at the end of the week. Priority. He will be priority. I had a dream last night that was very prophetic, and I believe I'm supposed to share it today, but um, so in my dream, I, I was it was today in the dream, and I was coming into church for our gathering here, 
And when I walked in the building, there were 25 people here. Don't you remember that number? I just saw scattered around 25 people. And I thought, whoa. Oh, my gosh. Like, 25 people just randomly showed up? This is crazy. Like, we just multiplied a ton. And I'm seeing people from food pantry, people from this street, and then other believers that had come into the, like, moved into the area and didn't have a church, and they started coming here. And the believers that had joined, like, a lot of unsafe people, food pantry in the street, and then the believers that had come in were, like, in their 30s, and they were all worshipers, like, worship people that could um, play instruments and stuff. So I walk in, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Like, God's fulfilling his promise in this year. Like, it's 2019, and he just did it. And so we're getting ready to start. And you know how we just spend time usually laughing and chatting before church starts or whatever? That was happening, but on a much larger scale. And so I'm like, oh, we need to, like, make this start. Like, it's harder to quiet down 25 people than it is to five, especially when more than half of us are the worship team. So I'm saying, okay, let's let's begin to worship. And this huge worship team goes up. Tommy's on the drums. There's a guitarist, electric guitarist. Renee's on the keys. And I'm standing in the back leading from back there for some reason. They were like an extra singer or whatever. And we start s- worshiping the Lord. And the presence of God was so thick in the dream. And we're singing that song. That's why I chose that song today, All My Devotion. Because that was the song we were singing in the dream. And it was like this eruption of, oh, my goodness, God, you could take everything. And, but all of our devotion belongs to you. And everyone was singing and worshiping. And there was this beautiful sound coming. So we finished worship. And I'm so excited to preach. I'm feeling like the presence of God in the dream, the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, let's go. So I come up front. And I'm starting to, to preach. And I'm noticing that people from food pantry and the street this road or whatever they're not used to a normal church structure so they're talking to each other and still fellowshipping and so i'm like what am i going to do this is like super distracted and loud so i'm like all right everybody we're going to take five minutes like say hello to your neighbor meet someone new and so everyone gets up and they're hugging people and we had a line of people coming up because they wanted to meet us like they hadn't met us before we're chatting with people and i said okay let's start So as I'm starting to preach, the room's getting fuller and fuller. And it's not because people are walking in. I'm literally just like chairs are just being filled. And I'm looking and thinking, oh, my gosh, like the room is just filling up miraculously. Like it's not even people walking in. Like I don't even know how to explain it, but the room was full. The rows were growing and getting more full. And I'm looking around and I'm walking up and down the aisles and I'm looking at people and I'm preaching and I'm feeling so full of the spirit and I'm like oh something's good but people are leaving as I'm preaching and I'm thinking okay don't pay attention you know if they leave they leave it's okay like don't be moved by the fear of man don't cut your message short because people are leaving so I was trying to stay really focused to not be afraid of what people thought and what they were feeling like I'm just going to preach what God gave me to preach so we end pray People are talking and stuff. And I walk to the back, and Marie is sitting in a chair by the closet back there. And I hadn't seen you guys through the whole thing because it was so packed, but I was so focused on, oh, my gosh, there's so many people. So I'm like, oh, Marie, oh, this is awesome. Like, you're here. And I'm like, where's Jay? <laughs> what, you know, like, you're sitting back here by yourself. And and he, you said, oh, you know, Wesley, like, he's up in the attic 
and I'm thinking the attic of the church, like we had a second floor. And then I, I looked at you, and I knew you were saying, like, there were too many people here, and he was uncomfortable with how many people were here, so he left. And I was like, oh, man, I need to talk to Jay. Like, next time we see him, we're going to have a talk, and, like, it's going to be okay. We just got to chat it out. But it was like the uncomfortableness of having so many people here. It wasn't the same as how it used to be, so he left. He didn't want to be here. And I woke up, and I was thinking that Jay represented us as a t an entire group, that it wasn't talking about Jay specifically, but it was talking about us as a group to be ready for the increase. What is increase going to mean? What's it going to look like? How are we going to steward it well? And Tommy had a similar dream of with Jay as a person, and basically you had a, you had a screwdriver in your head stuck in your head. Was there anything else? So there was a lot of warfare going on in the dream, and then he sees Jay with the screwdriver stuck in his head. Anything else, or was that? Pr yeah, yeah, pretty much when he shared that with me this morning, I hadn't shared him my dream yet, and I said, oh my gosh, I think Jay's, in my dream, I thought he represented us as a group, so in your dream, I think he represents us as a group as well. And that the screwdriver we were talking, we think is like an old tool. So like old ways of thinking, because normally you'd want to take a drill gun these days that are that's newer, it's faster. But it was so in, in the head, this is mindsets, paradigms. So we're stuck in this old way of doing things in our mind, right? And we've got to get that thing out as a group and prepare for the incoming, because when the, the souls come, this is exciting times. It means God's fulfilling his promises. People are coming to know Jesus. Now, that's the sweetest thing. And there's a multiplication of worship, of prayer, of outreach. Like when more people come, there's more work. But there's so much more that we can do together. Think of Pumpkin Fest. Think of our outreaches, having more people here to serve, to man different things. Like, it's exciting times, and God is worthy of that. Above all, that's what it's about. It's about him and his worthiness. He is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. That's what the scripture says. The reward of his suffering is people. J the reward of Jesus dying on the cross is, is people. He's worthy to receive the reward of his suffering here in Maine. And we're going to be a place for them to come in to peace, to come into freedom, to come into joy. But we won't be ready for that until we have refreshed vision of the worthiness of Jesus. And we see what suffering he went through in order for souls to come in. When we see that and receive fresh revelation of that, we're going to be ready and say, bring it on. We want to be the, the wineskin. We want to be the, the place that holds people, the household that allows them to come in and experience the greatness of the freedom bought on the cross by Jesus. And then he would say right there in Carmel, Maine, I am being glorified. I am being honored. I'm receiving the reward of my suffering. 
And then I go back. This is what we just got a couple of books from my sister. She was moving and got rid of some books. And some of them, George, uh, Charles Finney, I mean, um, Charles Finney is a revivalist, right? And he's one of the most intense ones. He walks into a factory, right? And he's under this weight of the spirit. And one of the girls makes a joke about one of the other girls working in the factory. And he looks at her with sadness in his eyes because of this joke that she made against this other girl. And she came under such conviction. She fell on the floor weeping. And 3,000 workers in that factory got saved because the outpouring of the spirit, because he walked in and looked at her with sadness in his eyes, the conviction of the spirit. That's Charles Finney. And so he says this is revival. There's renewed recognition of the worthiness of God. And that brings repentance and renewed obedience, surrender to the will of God. That's revival. We have renewed recognition of the worthiness of God. And when that happens, like in Acts, they came running with their gifts. We'll come running with our lives and say, here we are, God. Use us in any way that you want, anything that we have. It's all yours. You're worthy. You're worthy. We want to give it all to you. And I would consider Hebrews 12 the household scripture for this church. We talked about it so much when we first came that it's so ingrained in my heart, like this is the scripture of our home here. And it's Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. And this is the, the culmination of it all, right? We're talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the author of our faith. If we need to make our offerings and our givings to God in faith, we must look at Jesus first, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. So it goes back one step, like Tommy was saying the other day, the worthiness of Jesus starts there. I must fix my eyes on Jesus, receive renewed revelation of his greatness, of his worthiness. This produces faith in my heart. I see how great he is, how worthy he is, that he's seated on a throne, and I'm filled with faith to give everything. It renews my obedience, my surrender, everything to him. When we see him as he is, we come to that place, and we give freely and willingly, and then we're ready. We're stewards of the promise. We've become faithful stewards of the promise. So this year, and, and just starting this year off, this is something he and I have talked about that we want to like pursue. That's why we're doing this fast as well. It's like we're renewing our, our, renewing our gaze on Jesus because of all the things that can beat you down and help, you know, cause you to look down. Well, we're starting this year off and we're saying, okay, we recognize we need renewed vision 
of Jesus, of who he is, of his worthiness. So let's take time to pray and to just look at him. Not even to pray, but just to look at him. To get a picture in your mind to just worship him. For no other reason, but just because he's worthy. No other reason. Not to gain something from it. Not to like do some act or service because we feel like we have to. Just because he's worthy. I'm going to sit and worship him and let that stir. He's worthy. He's worthy of that. He's worthy. Whether I feel it or I don't, he's worthy. He's worthy. Oh, my gosh, he's worthy. It's almost like the more I say it, the more I feel it, the more I'm stirred. And then I get, oh, I'm filled with faith. And then I act. And then I get back in this place. Worthy, 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 worthy. Not, not to receive faith. I'm not doing it for a reason. I'm doing it because he's worthy. Do you get it? the difference? We're not doing it to say, I need faith. Fill me with faith. It's no, you're worthy, and I'm doing it because you're worthy. And the automatic outcome then is I'm filled with faith. And the automatic outcome of being filled with faith is renewed obedience and excitement to obey, grace to surrender. It has to start there. And so I want to encourage you again, just as Tommy had earlier, whether it's fasting something or whatever, take the time is the more important thing. Take the time to sit and worship the Lord, stand and worship the Lord, kneel and worship the Lord, however you do it. Put worship music on and focus on him. Whatever would help you to refocus this year, not to gain something, not to intercede just because he's worthy. This is where we need to start and cultivate and stir it up this year so that everything else will flow and we'll be ready. Because it's in that place, too, that the mindsets are changed that we all need. Jay was representing us as a community that we need these change of mindsets. We need to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> and Jay represents, as we said today, determination. So we're going to be determined as a community to do this, to get before the Lord, to worship him because he's worthy. Saturday, when we have this 12 hours of worship and prayer, that's what it's for because he's worthy. He's worthy. Take advantage of that. And like you said, come for an hour and just sit and worship. Fix your eyes on him. See him. Picture him. And if you forget what he looks like, just read in Revelation. Right Or Daniel, where they saw him and they wrote, this is what I saw, or Isaiah. So, Father, today, this is, we need great grace for this this year. Lord, we, we know that sometimes it is so hard in this life to fix our eyes on you, to continue, no matter what we see, to move in faith to live in faith, to give from that place. So, God, I'm asking grace on Jane Marie, grace for Renee, grace for Tommy and myself, and for any others that would come through these doors. Great grace to pursue you, the worthy one. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would pour out over us fresh revelation of the worthiness of Jesus, that it would fuel us this year, for all that you have for us. It would fuel us 
as we come together, the worthiness of Jesus, that we would be known as those that sit just to worship, just to pour out, just to give to you, just to pour over you, and that our offerings then would be given from faith-filled hearts, that the fear of the Lord would rest in us, We need it, Lord. We need it fresh this year, and we are believing you for it. We love you, Lord. We do. We love you. We love you. We love you. Do this in us to make us more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.